and um, do it the old school way. Okay, uh, good to be with you all today. Welcome to you all and uh, welcome to those that are joining us online. Again, my name is Andre. I serve as the associate pastor uh, at New Life East, uh, uh, New Life Congregation, and I am excited to be with you all. At the end of service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby, and so if I haven't had a chance to meet you or shake your hand, uh, please make sure you come and uh, and uh, and greet me. And so I'm really excited to be with you all today because I get an opportunity to give Pastor Rich and, pa- and, uh, and Rosie a break uh, as they celebrate their 17th year wedding anniversary this weekend. And so we praise God for that. We praise God for that, for that gift and the gift of their marriage and the ways in which God has used their marriage and used their life uh, to be a blessing to our community uh, and to lead us. Uh, and so praying that God would bond them in fresh and new ways this weekend as they celebrate their love uh, with, uh, with one another. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I serve as the associate pastor at New Life East, uh, which is a New Life congregation out in Nassau County, uh, Long, Long Island. And I'm uh, super, super glad to be a part of this community. This picture that you're looking at uh, is a celebration of the one-year uh, anniversary that we celebrated last November. Um, and so praise God for that. This is, this is a community that was started in the middle of the pandemic. And so Pastor Red and a team of launch team members uh, all went out in uh, spring of 2020 and started this community on Zoom. And this is a testament of the faithfulness of God and what God has done uh, in the life of this community. And uh, we are excited for what he has in store. And most notably uh, is that, as you can see in that picture, uh, we, are, we are filling up that room that we're in really, really fast. Uh, and so our prayer for 2023 is that God would uh, provide a new spacing for our community, that he would. Uh, so we're actively looking for a new space uh, to step into as a community as we are continuing to outgrow the space we're in now. And so I want to invite you to join us in that prayer. And not only that, uh, to give you an opportunity to connect folks that you may know. You may have family members, friends individuals that you're aware of that live in Long Island that are part of the Nassau County community. So invite them to come be a part of what God is doing in the life of our congregation uh, and the, the move of God that is happening in this particular uh, community. And so you can invite folks to visit the New Life website, and there's tons of information there about where we meet, the time we meet, and uh, who the leadership is and things like that. And so I want to invite you guys uh, into, that, uh, into that with us. And uh, lastly, uh, Andres mentioned this during the prayer of confession. I uh, didn't say anything about it in the first service, but been wrestling with it all weekend. I'm sure many of you have seen uh, in the news uh, about the unfortunate killing of, of Tyree Nichols in, uh, in Tennessee and in Memphis. And, um, you know, this is one of those moments where we are painfully reminded of the kind of violence that marks our world and the ways in which it snuffs out the very gift that we were just singing about, this reality of breath, the gift of breath that God has given us, the ability to breathe, the miracle of being able to breathe in and out. That miracle was stolen from Tyree. And so I just want to have a moment. I feel pretty, pretty burdened about it. And so I just want to give us a moment just to, just to pause, uh, just give us 30 seconds to, to sit in silence and lament if you need to lament. Uh, ask the Lord to intervene. And then I'll just, uh, I'll, I'd like to pray for us, and then we will dive into our message for today. So let me just give us 30 seconds just to pause and let the Spirit press on us.
Father, we come before you now, a community that's burdened by the brokenness that we see in our world. Lord, we are begging you. God of justice and peace and love, would you, would you intervene? God, would you comfort the family of Tyree, Hill, of Tyree Nichols and the community uh, there in Memphis uh, as they grieve this incredibly tragic death? And Father, help us here for those that are grieving uh, in this community and all around, all around this nation. Father, would you, would you, be, a, would you be a comfort? Would you make your presence known and felt in ways that are tangible? Father, we trust you. We lean into you in the spaces where we are confused, where we are burdened, where we are, uh, where we are hurt, where we are grieving. Father, trust you to help us to hold all of it in tension. Pray all these things in your good name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Well, friends, today we are continuing in our series on discernment, uh, where we have been exploring uh, what does it mean for us to discover God's will for our lives. So not just discernment in relation to making decisions for decisions making sake, but what does it mean for us to decide from a place of discernment? What does it mean for us to discern God's will? In the, in the decisions that we're making and the direction that we are taking our lives. And over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking at things like the reality of delighting in God's will, delighting in God's will, meaning that no matter how many principles or tools uh, we may acquire and skills that we may get in the work of discerning, in the work of deciding, if we fail to delight in God's will for our lives, then all of those principles, all of those tools, all of those skills are ultimately for naught. That the foundation of what it means to be a discerning people is to find delight in God's will for our lives. And it is from that place that we can begin to try and unpack and answer the question of what does it look like for us to be a people who are discerning uh, God's will. We also talked about what it looks like to listen to our hearts and the ways in which uh, God works through our emotions and works through our feelings and uh, helps to guide us in those ways. Last week, uh, Pastor Rich talked about the idea of prudence, right? Using our heads and how we engage in careful thought in the ways in which we discern. And so this week, my hope uh, and my task is to uh, talk about this idea of wise counsel. Uh, what does it look like for us to invite others uh, into the process of discernment? What does it look like for us to break out of isolation uh, and invite community in this reality of discerning uh, God's will? And so I want to look at Proverbs 12, verse 15. Proverbs 12, 15 is the passage we'll be in today. If you want to turn there with me, hear the word of the Lord. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. I want you guys to read that out loud with me. Would you read that with me, Proverbs 12, 15? Let's read that together. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. 
in the life of a believer, in the life of a Christian, there are two questions that are imperative to wrestle with, to, to take time to think about and to engage with as it relates to our spiritual formation and our discipleship. These are two questions that uh, Pastor Rich introduced a couple of weeks ago, and I think they're incredibly vital. And so I want to I wanna refresh our mer- memories around them. The first question being, uh, what do you think Jesus is saying to you uh, at this uh, point in your life in the context of the challenges and opportunities that you are facing. And the second question is just as, just as important. What indicators give you some measure of confidence that it is indeed Jesus speaking to you rather than someone or something else? In other words, what is Jesus saying and is it really him? What is Jesus saying to me and is it really him? And these questions are incredibly important because our decisions matter. The decisions that we make in and for our lives are extremely consequential. They matter, right? That they are, these are sacred realities. And so they should be approached with that kind of seriousness that we should take the decisions that we make in our lives seriously. And in any given year or season of life, you and I are all faced with significant decisions that we have to make in and about our lives. Questions like, should I quit my job or should I continue? Questions like, should I buy a home or should I continue to rent? Questions like, should I, should I keep going in this relationship or should I end it? Questions like, should, should, I, should I marry this individual that I am dating or should I not? Questions like, like should, I, should I order the salad or, or should I go ahead and treat myself and get, get the burgers and the fries? Weighty questions, significant questions. We are all faced with significant decisions. And hear me, friends, how we approach the discernment process has great implications for our lives. That the approach that we take to the discernment process is not inconsequential, but it does matter. And for most of us in the room, there, there are about one of three ways, generally speaking, that we tend to approach discernment. One of three ways that we tend to make decisions. Some of us in the room, uh, we are in category one. We are always discerning, uh, but never deciding. Uh, always discerning, but never deciding. We, we, we love to, to push off uh, having to make a decision. And so typically our response is, I'm, I'm praying about it. We, we love to stay in the prayer closet because it keeps us from having to go in one direction or the other. We like to remain in the place of discernment. Others of us, if you're like me in the room, you find yourself in category number two, always deciding, but never discerning. Always deciding, but never discern. Super impulsive. You don't, you don't measure twice and cut once. You just cut and whatever happens, happens. Always deciding, but never discerning. But the invitation from the Holy Spirit for us today and what we see in the proverb and, and in this reality of discernment throughout the scriptures is that God is calling us to be a people who decide from a place of discernment. 
That is the call for you and I, brothers and sisters, that we would become people and live in such a way that we are deciding from a place of discernment. And when we think about discernment, we have to ask ourselves, what are we talking about? What, what do we mean when we say discernment? What exactly are we getting at? And so I want to give a definition that I think is helpful uh, in trying to make sense of what we mean when we say discernment. Uh, definition by James Manny, it says this, uh, discernment is good judgment, wisdom, and the ability to distinguish between the sound and the unsound, the true and the false, the good and the bad, and also the better from the merely good. This is what we mean when we talk about discernment. It's this reality, this ability uh, to make a distinguish, uh, to make a distinction between options that are before us, to be able to look at what God has placed in front of us and utilize tools and skills to be able to distinguish between one direction or the other, between one option or the other. That, that is what it means to discern. And when we think about discernment, one of the key realities to the process of being a discerning person and being a discerning people is this reality of counsel, of advice, of perspective outside of ourselves. And Christians should know something about seeking counsel, especially when making important decisions because the Bible speaks about it over and over and over and over again. I just read a passage, Proverbs 12, 15 first, but I want us to look at a, a few other passages in the, in, in the Bible, particularly in the Proverbs, that talk about the importance of seeking and receiving counsel and advice. Proverbs 1, 5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs eleven fourteen. for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail. Somebody say fail. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. The Bible, friends, is clear all throughout the scriptures on the benefit and the imperative of seeking counsels and the consequences if we choose to reject it, if we choose to not heed God's word. And I think it's important for us because my hope is today that we would come to this understanding, to this reality, and here it is, that to wisely discern God's will often requires a community of wise people to wisely discern God's will for my life and for your life will often require a community of wise people. And the problem that you and I often face is not whether or not we are engaging counsel, not whether or not we are receiving advice, but what kind of counsel, what kind of advice are we choosing to engage? The question that we have to ask ourselves is not, am I receiving counsel, but what kind of counsel am I receiving? And for the rest of our time, I want to take a look at three ways, or three ways that we can choose to approach this idea of receiving counsel, of receiving advice in the discernment process. Three ways uh, that we can approach 
inviting counsel in the process of discernment in our lives. The first of those is this idea of inviting no counsel, in inviting, inviting no, 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 no counsel. And you might think to yourself, well, that, th this is a way of, of, of approaching counselors by inviting none. And this, this idea of in, in inviting no counsel is rooted in this reality where many of us, when we come to the table of counsel, uh, when we come to the table of advice, uh, we tend to approach the table and surround it with what I call the unholy trinity of me, myself, come on, you know it, and I, me, myself, and I. That, that, that is, tends to be the table we surround ourselves with. We, we get perspective from ourselves for ourselves. M many of us engage counsel in this uh, kind of kind of way and the, the reality is that for many of us this is rooted in the in sort of greater uh, cultural reality that sort of permeates uh, the society that we live in this idea of individualism of being individualistic now hear me there is nothing wrong with being an individual God made you you and you uniquely so there is a gift and something good about being an individual but there is something damaging and something dangerous when we begin to step into the waters of this idea of being individualistic, of engaging in individualism. Because here's the reality, is that when we begin to embrace this idea of individualism and this idea of being individualistic and being inward focused in the way in which we engage, we tend to miss an essential component of what it means to be human. That essential to the human experience and the Christian experience at large is this reality of community. Community. In other words, friends, we were not made for isolation, but for connection. We were not made for isolation, but for connection. If you want to know the story of the Bible and what God is doing in the world in one sentence, it is this. We humans were not made for isolation, but for connected. We were created to be connected to God and to be connected to one another. Amen, somebody. That, that is what God has created us to be. We were created for belonging. We were not created for isolation. And in order for us to discern well, we must first acknowledge the reality of our limits apart from community. I'm gonna say that again. In order for us to discern well, we have to be willing to acknowledge our limits apart from community. Here's, here's what that means. That no matter how much knowledge you may have, no matter how much experience you may have, at the end of the day, you and I are not God. So what does that mean? That means that we do not have all knowledge and we do not have all experience. And so each and every one of us ultimately finds ourselves at a limit. And unless we invite community in the discernment process, we will always run into the road of being limited of not having perspectives that would be helpful for us, of not being able to see the areas that we need to see in order to discern wisely. And the challenge for many of us, for you and I today, is that we tend to lean into individualism and this sense of inwardness and reject community in the ways in which we discern. Maybe for you this morning, you tend to discern about your finances 
on your own. You, you tend to discern about what you're going to do with the, with the space that God has given you in your home and, and, and where you lay your head to rest and how you're going to utilize that in the community. You tend to think about that on your own. You tend to think about what you're going to do uh, uh, with, with, the, with the resources and the gifts and the talents that God has given you. And when you try to make sense of what do I do with this, the table you come to is the table of me, myself, and I. And my friends, what I'm telling you this morning is that the scriptures are very clear that that table is the most dangerous table that you and I can find ourselves at. Then when we are thinking about how we discern God's will, that the table that God is inviting us to is not a table that is surrounded with, our, with ourselves, but a table that's surrounded with diverse community. The folks that can help us to discern well. Imagine what our families would look like if we would choose to engage good counsel outside of ourselves. Imagine what, what, what our neighborhoods would look like, what social media would look like if we would be a people who discern with wise counsel. But maybe this morning you say, Pastor Dre, that ain't me. I, 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 I seek counsel. I, I look for advice. I don't, I don't rely on myself and myself alone. I do go out and seek counsel. But the problem is that for many of us, while we may go and seek counsel, we tend to seek the kind of counsel that the Bible would describe as foolish, bad counsel. Bad, bad, bad counsel. And when we think about bad counsel, foolish counsel, uh, that, that we're talking about two kind of realities. We're talking about the source of the advice and the content of the advice. Where, where am I getting the counsel from? And what is the, the message of the counsel that I'm receiving? And one of the areas that in our day and age, we tend to get a lot of our counsel uh, that, that some of it is wise, but most of it tends to be bad, tends to be foolish, is on social media. It's, it's what I like to call meme counsel. You ever, you ever gotten meme counsel before? You know meme counsel? Counsel like you can sleep when you're dead. Now you laugh, but many of us know about this kind of counsel, especially here in New York City. This hustle and grind culture, right? Get it, get it, get it, right? Working, 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 trying to make it and make it and make it. You can sleep when you're dead. All the while missing that science tells us that if we don't get enough sleep, we're going to die. <laughs> sleep when you're dead. And many of us live our lives oriented around that kind of counsel. Failing to take care of the temples that God has given us, all in the effort to gain more and more and more. Or counsel like, like YOLO, you only live once, you've heard that one? You only, live, you only live once, which typically is advice for take risk, live it up. Missing the fact that in that same advice is the reality that you do only live once. That the life that God has given us is the one life that we have and that we ought to steward it well. That we ought to think carefully about the ways in which we engage the life that God has given to you and I. Or counsel like never give up. Ne ne never, never give up. And I get the sentiment, but what it fails to realize is that there is beauty in receiving and accepting our limits. That as human beings, it is a good gift for us to recognize when we have hit our wall and it is good to know when to give up, when to let go. 
that it is not weak to give up, but there is strength in giving up and recognizing that you have, that you have hit your limits. Or counsel like, don't ever change who you are. You ever heard that one? Failing to embrace the reality and the beauty and the goodness of transformation and what it means to maturate as a human being, to grow in who God is calling us to be. Foolish counsel. But one of the areas that you and I tend to often fall into the the pit, the trap of bad or foolish counsel is through this thing called confirmation bias, implicit bias. It's this, it's this space in our lives where, where we know what we want to do and where we want to go, and all we're looking for are people who can agree with and help confirm where we already know we want to go and what we already know we want to do. We're not really looking for dissenters. We're looking for folks that can simply tell us to go in the direction that we already have decided within ourselves we want to go in. Implicit bias, confirmation bias, something that we all struggle with, something that you and I all face. And the reality is that that oftentimes tends to be the gravitational pull. This idea of implicit bias, of confirmation bias, tends to be the gravitational pull of how we engage in discerning God's will for our lives. It reminds me of a story in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, I invite you to go read. Anybody that says that the Bible is boring, I invite you to read it again. There are some interesting stories in the scriptures. 2 Chronicles chapter 10 tells us a story about uh, King Rehoboam. He was one of Solomon's sons and he was due to become the new king of Israel, to take over for his father. And as the story goes, the people of Israel come to their incoming new king and they ask him, they say, hey king, uh, we found ourselves under heavy burden over the last few years and, and we, would, we would request that you relinquish that, 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 that you re- remove some of the burden that we found ourselves in and if you do so, we will serve you faithfully. And the story tells, the scripture tells us that the king says to the people, he says, listen, give me, g- give me three days, right? He starts off real good, being prudent, wants time to give thought to his ways and what he's going to decide. He says, hey, give me three days and come back and I'll have a decision for you. And then he goes to the elder council. This was the council that was advising his father, King Solomon. And he goes to the elder councilman and he, he tells them the dilemma he's in, the choice that he has. He says, I, can, I, have, I have an option before me. The people of God have asked me uh, to relinquish them of some of the burdens that have been over them under my father's rule. And I can either do that or I can keep it going. What do you advise I do? And the elder councilman said, hey, we advise that, 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 that you have some kindness, that you show some, some, some compassion and, and relieve the people of God of some of the burdens that have been on them and they will serve you faithfully. And the scriptures tell us uh, that the king listens to that advice and it says he ignores their advice and he surrounds himself with the young men that he grew up with. Anybody ever, decide, anybody ever surrounded themselves with the friends that you know? I'm going to tell you to do what you want to do anyway. So the king goes to these friends that he grew up with, these young men, and he says, hey, listen, th- this is the dilemma. This is what I'm facing. Uh, this is what they asked me to do. What do you think I should do? And the young men said, uh, uh, double down. Sh- show them that you're not just as strong as your dad. You're twice as strong. 
The king decides to go in this direction, and ultimately it leads to the to the division and the implosion of the kingdom of Israel and leads to much turmoil among the people and among the kingdom. So the reality is that the king was, was riddled with confirmation bias. He wasn't looking for counsel. He wasn't looking for advice. The king was looking for agreement. And friends, you and I, many of us in the room today, when we come to the table, when we invite counsel, we're not really looking for counsel. We're not really looking for advice. Oftentimes, we are really just looking for agreement. What God is calling us into this morning is to be a people who would engage in good and wise counsel. That, that, that we would be a people who would come before God and come before others seeking to, to really, truly discern what it is that God and where it is that God is directing us to go. So this last way, this idea of inviting wise counsel, th this is what we are being invited into. But the question is, what, what does wise counsel look like? What, what does it mean for me to invite wise counsel, to engage with good advice and surround myself with a community of wise people. One of the ways that, that we know that we are surrounding ourselves with wise counsel is when we surround ourselves with individuals who can help us to be aware of our blind spots, to help us to be aware of our blind spots, to be able to see what we often have a hard time seeing for ourselves. And the reality is that this is difficult work. It's, it's not easy to hear about the areas in your life that you are either unaware of or that you typically want to avoid. Your blind spots. Maybe this morning you're in need of receiving some, some advice and some input from, from women in your life. That, that, that you, you, need, you need the perspective of women to be able to help you to see the areas where you uh, cannot see, your blind spots, the areas where, where you are lacking perspective. Or, or maybe for you this morning, you, you need the advice from a different generation. Teenagers, maybe, maybe you need to listen and, and listen to advice from those that are in your 40s and 50s and 60s. And, and for those that are in their 50s, 60s and 70s, maybe you need to embrace the advice of some teenagers listening to those from a different generation, or, or maybe you need to listen to those from a different socioeconomic bracket and receive some perspective and some counsel that you otherwise do not have. But not only do we need help with seeing our blind spots, but we also need good counsel to help to hold space for conversation and for questions in the, in the work of discerning God's will creating space for honest questions and honest conversation to engage in the spaces where you and I, if it were just up to us, would choose to avoid and deflect. It reminds me of a season in me and my wife's life when we were dating, when we first started dating in 2016. And our dating process, especially the first year of our dating, it wasn't marked by the sort of general, you know, uh, butterflies in your stomach, puppy love, I can't wait to be around them kind of a feeling. The first year of our dating was very, very difficult. It was challenging, particularly in the area of communication. We just kept talking right past one another. I, I, was, I was way too 
stubborn and, and, and stuck in my ways. And I thought that, that, that Christine, my wife, she sometimes is just way too emotional and just made a big deal out of nothing. And so we, would, we came into, into these conversations with this perspective of one another and we just kept talking past each other and just weren't able to connect. I remember we, we found it so difficult that we finally said, okay, we have an option. We have a choice before us. We, we can either keep this thing going or we can end it. What, what, what do we do with this? What, what, what do we do with this reality of our relationship? And so we decided to invite our small group into it. We were both attending the same church, going to the same small group. And so we invited our small group into it. And they said, hey, uh, Dre, Christine, you guys have heard of, of premarital counseling, right? We said, yeah, we, we, we've heard of pre, premarital counseling. They said, we, we want you to do something, something else. We want to do something different. We want you to, we want you to do some pre-engagement counseling pre-engagement counseling. And I said, okay, we said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll engage. And so they invited us into pre-engagement counseling. So each week we would show up to small group two hours before it started and we would meet with our small group leaders and unpack and talk about what are some of the conversations we were having that week and some of the things that we were wrestling with and the ways in which that, that it was that we were having difficulty understanding each other that week. And throughout that process, what we came to realize is that there were communication tools, that there were communication uh, uh, skills that we both lacked that was having an effect on the way in which we were relating with one another. And the reality is that had it just been up to me alone, had I decided what I wanted to do with this relationship in and of myself, I would have quit. I would have ended it. Had it been up to my wife, Christine, to decide on what to do with this relationship, what to do with this particular situation in her life, she would have probably decided to end it. It was way too difficult. It was way too challenging. It was way too burdensome. Why continue to deal with it? But it was in inviting community into that space that we were able to get some perspective to see the areas where, where we could not see for ourselves, the blind spots that we were holding, that we were given space to hold honest questions and honest conversations about the reality of our relationship and the kind of conversations and the way that we would engage in conversation with one another that allowed for us to recognize that God was doing a different and a beautiful work underneath it all and ultimately invited us not to quit. And now we find ourselves four and a half years later, happily married and expecting our first child. It's a baby girl, by the way, and so I'm excited. <laughs> you see, we recognize that pre-engagement counseling was good. And maybe, friends, what you need this morning is some pre-decision counseling. Before you make that decision, before you, before you decide on what direction to go and what to do and what not to do, maybe what you need this morning is to evaluate and think about, am I truly inviting wise counsel into this space and into this discernment process that God has before me? And for a community like us, one of the best places for us to be able to get this kind of, of wise counsel, for us to engage in this kind of reality, is in small groups. Not because everyone in small groups are really, really wise, but there might be a perspective in that space that you otherwise would not have had had you not invited good, godly, wise community into the process of discernment. 
And so I hope you take advantage, friends. For those of you that may not be in small groups, I pray that you would take advantage of the group meet that's happening tomorrow, join in on that, and get plugged into a small group in the life of this community to get connected to others, to be known and to know others so that you can be in a position to invite good, wise counsel in the kind of decisions that God is placing before you. See, when I think about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's what I think about, that in Jesus Christ, God has invited you and I and engrafted us into one new family. That the sacrifice of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has invited us into into this new family, the family of God. That Jesus has reconciled us to himself and he has reconciled us to one another. And that we now make up what is known as the community of God. And friends, that reconciling power has brought you to this specific community in these particular pews. And so for many of us, maybe our wise counsel is sitting right next to us. Our wise counsel is in the room. And all it takes is for us to take the step forward and to engage in the very community that God has engrafted us into. That if we want to be a people who are discerning God's will for our lives, it will require that we be a people that discern, not in isolation, but in community. Amen? Let's pray together. As the worship team comes, I want to invite you to take a second just to pause, breathe if you need to. Invite the Holy Spirit to press into you what may be helpful in this moment. To think about and make sense of the spaces in your life where you may be discerning where you have a decision to make and asking yourself the question, have I truly, truly opened myself up to wise counsel? Have I opened myself up to the counsel and the advice of the community to help me to truly make sense of what God's will is for my life in this particular space? So Father, would you help us Holy Spirit, would you help us to resist the parts of us that want to lean into confirmation bias, that want to make the decision in and of ourselves, that want to surround ourselves with yes men, that want to seek agreement rather than good counsel. Spirit of the God, Spirit of the living God, help us. Help us to engage in good, wise counsel that helps us to see our blind spots, helps us to hold space for good, honest conversations. Father, so that we can be a people who are wisely deciding from a place of discernment. Father, we trust you to do all of this and more. We pray all these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, friends.
Let's give Pastor Andre a hand for that beautiful sermon. So listen, folks, this, we definitely need a fresh outpouring. This, this sermon, I don't know about you, but this is one of those kind of slap me back to reality sermons. Um, we don't just experience confirmation bias. We are swimming in a world of confirmation bias. You can not encounter people that think differently than you in a whole day because you're streaming is geared toward what you like. And your social media feeds you what you like. And in your neighborhood, you live with people that like what you like. Do you see the challenge? And then we want wise counsel. And God promises us that we have access to wisdom. But it's gonna take some courage on our part because that means, yes, Perhaps if I am an older person, I could invite a teenager to speak into my life. And perhaps if I'm a teenager, I could invite someone that is older to speak into my life. And perhaps you and I from different backgrounds, ethnic, racial, socioeconomic backgrounds, perhaps we need to engage each other and ask each other, what do you think about this? From where you sit, how does this look to you? That takes courage and the grace of God. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to my right because some of us need to just go up for prayer and say, you know what, I, this, is, this is beyond me. I need literally you to help me, to pray for me, that God would be able to show me that I can do it, that I can actually step out of the box of my world and ask someone else what they think. That means that if I'm a Republican, I need to understand, perhaps a Democrat could teach me something. And if I'm a Democrat, perhaps a Republican could teach me something. I know, you're ready to turn off the stream right now. Cancel her. I get it. But do you realize how challenging this is in our world today? We don't tolerate difference. We exalt sameness and consistency. And Pastor Andre has just said that as you're discerning, you're going to have to give up that sacred cow. You can't live in that space anymore. You have to be open to who God might bring into your path. And look at the opportunity that's happening tomorrow. We have group meet. Now, every small group, this, they are not perfect places because we're not perfect people. And we're in the small groups. But God could use someone, if you're not in a group, he could surround you with people. He could use someone to speak into your life. It may come from a source you never expected. And it could lead you to the answer that you've been so desperately seeking. So again, courage, courage. Let's try something different. It's a new year, right? We get to start fresh. Let's try something different. Let's ask God to give us the courage 
to seek wise counsel. Amen. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us again. Please come up and avail yourself of the prayer ministry if that is something that you find yourself needing. Um, those of you that are online, after this service, we'll be having the sermon discussion. You'll see the link um, right there in your chat, so feel free to take advantage of that. And for those of you that are sitting here and you say, you know what, I'm not even sure I know who this God is that Pastor Andre is talking about, you can text yes to Jesus. We'll have one of our pastors reach out to you and be able to share a little bit about who this wise God is that we're talking about. And you can have that conversation with someone that will provide wise counsel to you. So let's open our hands for prayer. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living and wise God, we pray that you would look up and see the face of the God who sees you every moment of every day of your life. The wise God who knows your before, he knows your after. He knows your path, he knows your road. That you would see the love, that you would see the kindness, the tenderness, the grace that this God has for you. That you would open yourself up to receive all that he has. Take courage knowing that he is with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Bless you, everyone. Have a great week.